It is the 200 level episode 209. It's a trap. Yes, of course, Saturday night. We're all looking at that game and thinking, oh, dear God, you beat Nebraska. We're feeling great. And sort of like Louisiana Tech back in 2012 or Western Michigan in 2016, a mid-major that's pretty good could come in here and beat Illinois. Yes, that is true. It's happened in the past. I know these are different circumstances, though, because we were not riding as high when Louisiana Tech came in here in 2012. I think that was after the Arizona State loss when Sonny Dykes and the Ragin' Cajuns came in here and smoked you. Or when P.J. Fleck and Western Michigan did the same in 2016, you would have lost at home already to North Carolina. But you did have a fun first quarter and a half against them. But no, you had a great opening week win against Nebraska, and hope springs eternal in Champaign, and I think for good reason. I listened to Jay Lehman and Jeremy Warner on the Alana Inquirer podcast. That was a couple days ago. And, of course, the football X's and O's that they were talking about that was pretty cool to gain more of an understanding of what Illinois did and the surprises that they pulled on defense and how Scott Frost and Nebraska were completely unprepared for it, which is inexcusable, of course. And sometimes it helps to have a bad opponent, which Nebraska very well may be. But Illinois did a lot of good things on Saturday, and that's what I kind of want to key on. And one of them, Jay Lehman mentioned this, and I brought it up on Sunday's podcast, that there was something comforting in the boringness of that win. The competence that we saw on the field was not explosiveness apart from the play to do span and the scoop and score. So you did have two whoa plays, no doubt about that. But for the most part, slow and steady won the race. And when I say boring, I mean beautifully boring. I mean the kind of stuff that wins in the Big Ten West. And Jay Lehman told an anecdote about how he got home and he's talking to his dad and said, "Eh, it's kind of boring. And brought up how for his dad's generation, and I can see it for some of my parents uh, and, and their generation as well, that the Mike White era is the bastion. And the thing that they continue to go back to is to what Illinois looks like when they're good at football. But keep in mind, that was not sustainable with Mike White. Now, I don't think my dad necessarily thinks that Brett Bielman was boring. In fact, having talked to him on Saturday and try to get as much context as I could before I could see the replay, the excitement that he was expressing made me think like, wow, when I see the replay of this game, I'm going to be very impressed. And I was. But it was a, a sort of impressed where if you're in an office environment, there's usually one person that you just can count on. You know what they're good at. And maybe they aren't excellent in any particular thing, but they're reliable. And reliability in the Big Ten West, if we're going to take this analogy to sports, that's all you need. Iowa is reliable. Wisconsin's reliable. We'll see about the rest of them. Northwestern, to an extent, is reliable. And we'll see how long Fitzgerald can keep that going. But I do think that the ceiling at Illinois is plenty higher than Northwestern. And they can do everything that Pat Fitzgerald has done so far. And they can do it better. They can. Which, lofty expectations, I know. Especially after one game, right? Are we putting the cart before the horse? Perhaps. Perhaps we are. And we are looking at Nebraska more as a name and an impressive win in name only, perhaps, than uh, a quality win. But I do think that regardless of where Nebraska goes this year, we will look back on that opening week win against Nebraska fondly, regardless of what happens. That is a statement win. And what I'm most excited about is that Illinois got these reps under their belt. Yes, UTSA, they have tape now. 
and that is an advantage for them coming in. But I don't think that compares to the advantage Illinois has having played 60 minutes of football as opposed to UTSA coming in fresh. Yes, 21 returning starters. That's scary. Yes, a great running back. But at the end of the day, let's keep this simple. While this is a trap game, in many ways, shapes, and forms, this is a game that I think Illinois wins. So I'll get that out of the way right now. So when I have It's a Trap as the title, it's more because I'm a huge Admiral Akbar fan from Star Wars than the fact I actually believe this is a trap game. I don't think for this coaching staff and this team it is. I think in the past, there would be plenty of reason to worry. Not in 2021. Not with this staff and not with this team, which has plenty of veterans in its own right. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I want to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdo.com. 15 years since they've opened. I was freshman going on sophomore at the U of I, the first time I had DP Doe. And it was the first time I realized that guess what? You don't need to buy crappy food when you're on campus to save a few bucks. This is the best bang for your buck in Champaign Urbana. These calzones are absolutely delicious, made with the freshest ingredients, custom zones with anything you want, and some of their favorites, like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, and many more. Available online at dpdo.com. Dot com delivery anywhere in Champaign Urbana. That's dpdo.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, home, business, renters, auto, you name it. They hooked us up with homeowners and auto. We really appreciate Brian for making it as easy of a process as you could imagine for insurance. So go online to brianismyguy.com. He's my guy and he can be your guy too. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. That's R E C T O R Construction. Com for all your exterior needs. These guys, listen, construction is a 12-month thing now, so it doesn't matter if you're planning for something in the fall or the winter. Call them and get a free estimate on whatever your outdoor project may be. Great craftsmanship, superior customer service, and guys that have been giving back to the Champaign-Urbana community. That's rectorconstruction.com. And finally, 4th and Kirby. I got my 4th and Kirby shirt ready to go for Saturday, my first tailgate at Memorial Stadium of the Year. I will not be missing any more of them, and I'm excited to be rocking my 80s-era Illini helmet t-shirt. You can see that and many more cool designs, including a brand-new Brandon Lloyd design at fourthandkirby.com. Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. All right, I want to thank all the listeners for getting us back on the charts. So we are part of Chartable, and what they do is they see what podcasts are getting the most listens on Apple Podcast. So it is exclusive to that platform, though. I think most podcasts, you can guesstimate anywhere between 50 and 60% of the listeners are getting it through their Apple device. So within the first week, we are a top 75 podcast under basketball. That's how they file us for some reason. Um, the Alana Inquirer podcast, their 21st. No surprise of the work that they're doing. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Jay Lehman doing the weekly hits, that's got to be a big one for them as well and all the great guests that Jeremy has. So I think that speaks to the fact that Illinois fans are potentially just as crazy about Illinois football as they are basketball. We had a week in terms of listeners with three podcasts published, not dissimilar from what we had back in March. That says something. I thought that with the time we took off and the fact that Illinois football, a lot of us were taking a wait-and-see approach that this would be maybe slow going at the start, at least compared to the kind of numbers we were getting at the tail end of basketball. But no. And I think that's encouraging, of course, from a podcast. Thank you for listening. But I think it's anecdotal evidence that Illinois fans 
are in fact great football fans. And when there is something to cheer about, they are ready to go. And man, did Saturday give you plenty to cheer about. The after effects of that, you know, getting the stories about people going back out to lot 31. And I could picture myself how I would have been kind of floating as I left the stadium. That exhilarating feeling that you get after a big win. And I'm pretty sure the tens of thousands of Illini fans were doing that. Well, they were also probably floating because they were, you know, on the verge of heat exhaustion, which I heard concessions were a bit of an issue in the East Main area, especially. Hopefully they have that cleaned up for this weekend, even though the heat won't be an issue. It's going to be an absolutely perfect September day and evening. 76 is the high. Game time temperature 68. Yeah, no heat exhaustion for this one. It's going to be a perfect day for partying. I'm excited to partake, excited to see some faces I haven't probably seen in a couple of years. Uh, I'll pop over to Lon's tailgate, of course, say hi to him, see Trevor and Isaac, see some friends, and make a day of it. And I'm really, really excited to get back to it. Felt like I missed out on something last Saturday. Trust me, I had plenty of fun seeing my morning jacket. For my money, the best rock and roll band in America right now, truly. And then Dave Matthews Band put on an absolutely stellar set to close out the music festival. And, you know, I, I said back when these concerts were being announced that I'm in music mode until football season starts. That's part of the reason that I took the hiatus, so to speak. And I think going forward, we will probably make this more of a August through April kind of thing. Because in the summer, man, after COVID, it's like I got to go out there and do this and do that and do as many of these things as I can. Talk about carpe diem. It is time to get after it. Uh, But there's no doubt that one of the experiences I love the most, and right up there along with concerts, is tailgating in Lot 31. And if you give me a solid Illinois football team, that sweetens the pot that much more. I think we got that. I think we have a solid team. I am not going to change my expectations from the 6-6 and that I predicted at the start of the season. And that 6-6 and included a win against Nebraska. I don't know if there was enough evidence for me to be supremely confident going into that game, but it's very similar to when the Bears play the Lions, even the not-so-good Bears teams, and I'm fairly certain that they're going to win because the Lions find ways to lose. That's where Nebraska is now. I'm going to start real quick and just kind of poke fun at Scott Frost. I am paraphrasing the quote that he said on Monday, but essentially, Illinois brought out the even front on the defensive line. And because that wasn't what they had on tape, I think, from the spring game, he said, half of our playbook went out the window. Now, if I were to give him the benefit of the doubt, they might have had a very expansive playbook, one ready to go for an even front, one ready to go for an odd front. That might be it, but I tell you what, that's not a good look. (laughs) And he is in a position now where everything he says will get parsed, and justifiably so. He has not been a good coach for Nebraska. It's been a mess of a program on the field, off the field. And then the optics of the fans themselves with their Fogo to Chow. We're going to take it to Kevin Warren. And listen, Nebraska fans, I'm with you. Kevin Warren is a complete Nimrod. He is a terrible commissioner. But uh, there is some sort of sweet schadenfreude justice going on here. That Nebraska and their cutesy little 76-game sellout streak, which only happened apparently because some rich donor scooped up thousands of tickets for underserved youth in the area. That's a great thing to do, but it is a sign that not everything lasts forever. It's actually kind of remarkable to me, the fact that since Frank Solich left, I don't think they've had a 10-win season. Bill Callahan, Bo Pelini, Mike Riley, and now this guy, Scott Frost. 
someone I thought would make Nebraska much better. And now I look at it and think, man, the Big Ten West is more wide open than I would have guessed because I don't buy Brom at Purdue anymore. And I really definitely do not buy Scott Frost at Nebraska. Now, that's enough about Nebraska. Let's talk about Illinois. I want to start with Art Sitkowski. I watched the replay again, and I know that he was not asked to do a lot. There was the fantastic throw to do span, and that was a good chunk of the yardage that he threw for. But the efficiency is what really stood out to me. Yes, there was a pick that got called back for the, not, not a late hit, but it was the what driving him into the ground. We can debate that. It was a break for Illinois, and that was not a good start for Sitkowski. I will side with what Jay Lehman was saying and chalk it up to the fact that how could you not have nerves when, I don't care how confident you are as a backup, you get thrown into the spotlight a quarter and a half into the season? Or was it still the first quarter? It might have been. So regardless of who you are, that is quite the position to be thrust into. And overall, you got to give the guy an A. Maybe not an A+, plus because there were a few mistakes, one he got bailed out from. But I got to give him a solid A, and I think there was an it factor to Sitkowski, which we would have laughed at before the season, looking at his numbers at Rutgers and thinking, oh, God, this is our backup? Well, yeah, he is. And until he plays poorly for Illinois, I think we got to go with what's on tape. Nebraska did not have maybe tape with Sikowski on Illinois, and perhaps they were preparing for Brandon Peters more. Why wouldn't they have been? But for him to come in and essentially run a Brett Bielema-style offense with Tony Peterson at the helm, nothing fancy, and he got the job done. That translates against most defenses that you play. Quick routes, getting rid of the ball early. He can run a little bit. Again, nothing fancy, but that's what I think is so beautifully boring and I'm going to use that term a lot. Consistent competence and beautifully boring. If this team goes on 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, it is going to be a beautifully boring kind of 6-6 six and six or 7-5. and five. And this leads to a potential dilemma down the road. And I have a very quick answer for this. And I don't know about you. Brandon Peters is not out for the season. Looks like a sprained, non-throwing shoulder, which means that he could come back. And I expect that he will be available, let's say, the Maryland game. Probably not this week. Didn't sound like it. And at that point, are you really going to bring him back a road game against Virginia? I don't know about that. But let's say the Maryland game. Let's say somehow you start 3-0. Or even 2-1 and and Sikowski looks good. Let's use that as a maybe more realistic example because Virginia will be tough. And UTSA will be tough for that matter. I do not think you can bring Brandon Peters back as your starter if you continue to play like this on offense. And a great offense, it is not. A solid offense? Yes, I think so. When they got the dust knocked off of them, they started to play pretty damn well, especially the offensive line in the run game. Pass blocking, we'll see. But uh, yeah, while there is work left to be done, there was enough of a playmaking ability that we saw from Sikowski and a steady hand at the wheel, which I do not get that sense from Brandon Peters. We've seen a few good games from Brandon Peters over time, but unfortunately, if you were to really go into your memory bank about Brandon Peters and some of the words that come up when you first think of him, unfortunately, inconsistent is one of them. It is very much akin to a West Lunt. And I know Brandon Peters is a much better runner, and uh, West Lunt had just limitations with the guys around him, if we're being fair. But there is an inconsistency to Brandon Peters where I think that the decision is kind of made. And this is a situation where it would be Sitkowski's job to lose. 
not like it's going to be open for Brandon Peters whenever he's healthy again. I, at least I hope that's the case. I don't want Bielema to overthink himself here or Tony Peterson. I know the head coach would ultimately make the call, but I also wonder if there isn't a component in the locker room, and this is speculative and maybe that's dangerous. But when Brandon Peters did not get the captainship, is that a word, captainship? The captaincy? I, I don't. When he was not voted one of the four or five captains on this team, Brett Bielema was asked about that. He said, yes, he did get votes. He got quite a few. Okay, fine. But usually, I would imagine at least, not having been in a football locker room myself, that guys would just sort of instinctually vote for the quarterback unless there was something not quite there, like not quite gelling. And especially in college, that they would vote for the 23-year-old quarterback that elected to come back and play for a sixth year in college, a third year for Illinois, and they didn't. Now, they did not vote for Art Sitkowski as captain either, but granted, he was the backup coming in. Let's say the roles were reversed, and he won the quarterback competition. I have this hunch, fair or not, that if Art Sitkowski came into the year as a starter, he would have also been voted a captain. This is based on the anecdotal stuff we hear about how the teammates feel about Art Sitkowski, how they responded when he came out on Saturday. So let's not find ourselves in a quarterback controversy. There's no need until Sitkowski loses the job because of poor performance. I don't anticipate that happening based on the kind of offense you're running, the depth that you have at running back. And yeah, there will be games where you're looking at the wide receiver core and thinking, I don't know what we have here or who's going to stretch the field. Maybe Deuce Span's good for a 50-yard catch every game. I doubt it, but maybe he is. So let's just keep it simple. And it, it strikes me that that's what Brett Bielema would do. He would keep things simple, and we'll see what happens when, and not if, but when Brandon Peters comes back healthy. Quarterback concerns aside, and that will be a storyline that we get for the next few weeks. What are some other concerns, right? There were a lot of good things that we saw on Saturday, and I think that the running game is going to be fine. Not spectacular. Doesn't need to be, though. What was it? 326 yards gained in total for Illinois, somewhere around 180, 170 rushing yards. But there was a steadiness to it, especially in the second half, where there was control of the line from those guys on the offensive line. And I think... I would like to think at least that Nebraska's defensive line is a bit more stout just based on the athleticism than what you're going to get in UTSA. So let's assume, and I think it's okay to do so, that your run game will be fine. Again, not spectacular, but I do think top half of the Big Ten. That leads you to the passing game. Now, the one thing that we saw on Saturday that I think encouraged all of us and the storyline, the narrative along with it just makes it that much more, I don't know, funny when you reflect on the Lovey Smith era, was the utilization and the usage, I should say, of Luke Ford, getting him the first catch, getting him a touchdown catch later on, and the fact that you do have some safety valves in a Luke Ford and a Daniel Barker that can help offset the, let's say, lack of experience or the lack of game-breaking ability at wide receiver. I think that we would agree, despite Isaiah Williams, who's a sort of Swiss Army knife, that you are lacking that go-to guy as a wide receiver. We saw Navarro, for example. Steady-handed guy, right? But he was the one that fumbled. That was the one turnover that you had in that game. And that is a little, not not alarming, but it's a, a little bit troubling when that's the guy that you figured was going to be the reliable wide receiver. I think he'll be fine, but 
I think most wide receivers are probably nothing more than fine. So can he get someone who's really good? This is where Tony Peterson has gets get creative. And I think that since you have these sort of safety valves or the safety blankets in a Luke Ford and a Barker at tight end, that Isaiah Williams is really going to kind of be the key to whether this offense is merely a serviceable run first offense or whether they really keep the defense on their toes when you start facing the likes of an Iowa or even a Minnesota or Wisconsin. You got to keep them honest. And what we saw on Saturday, I don't think that translates so well against an Iowa, Wisconsin, or even a Minnesota defense. I think we need to be honest with ourselves that Nebraska's defense is not one of the better ones that Illinois will face this year. Now, the good news is this is game one. So game-breaking plays and schemes and figuring out what kind of guys work in what situations when you need a 15, 20-yard gainer, something to ignite the offense, we have time to figure that out. And you may not need it against UTSA. You may not. But it would be nice to figure that out sooner rather than later. Hightower being out at wide receiver, that didn't help. Jafar Armstrong being out, that didn't help either. So maybe those guys, they come back, and all of a sudden you have an embarrassment of riches there. But I think it's fair to say that the wide receiver position is the one big question mark. And crazy to say that when Art Sitkowski is your starting quarterback. And if you would have said that a week and a half ago, we would have thought the season's already over, essentially. But no, that's not the case. So yes, there is a concern on offense, wide receiver, depth, and playmaking ability, if we're being honest. Defensively, losing C.J. Hart, that's tough. And it looks like they're still evaluating to figure out how long that may be. When he had a game like that, and then you're looking at, I don't want to say season ending, but it's going to probably be serious, and, and that's too bad. It is in the linebacking position. You like some of the other guys that you have there. You love what the defensive line did. And... I think C.J. Hart looked good because C.J. Hart's good, right? Like, this is taking nothing away from him, but I do think that you take the onus off of whoever the backup may be if the defensive line can do what they did against Nebraska to opponents in the future. I think they can. Health, of course, is the consideration here because we know lack of depth on defense, that is a major concern. And C.J. Hart going down, okay, that's a bummer. You can probably be okay with one linebacker down. Two, a third, I don't know. Defensive line, can you really afford to lose any of them and expect the kind of performance that you got against Nebraska? I'm not sure. What is exciting on defense? I would say the biggest question mark is still the secondary. But I would also say that the best player on defense right now, we could argue, is Devin Witherspoon. And that is pretty cool because I'm thinking back to some of my favorite Illini. And the two that come to mind, other than the obvious, you know, Juice Williams, Kirk Kittner, we usually go with quarterback. But there's something about a good defensive back. And I think to Eugene Wilson. Eugene Wilson was probably my favorite Illini on that Sugar Bowl team. Maybe that's an odd pick. I'm not trying to be, you know, throw a deep cut out there. But after all, the guy was the highest drafted guy, I think, from that team. Maybe him or Brandon Lloyd, early second round. He was an absolute beast in the backfield. Another one? Vontae Davis. It was the punt block and return for a touchdown, I think, against Indiana, the Rose Bowl year, where you could see these signs in 06 that Vontae Davis was really good, and then he had a monster season to help you to the Rose Bowl. Now, I don't think that 
Devin Witherspoon is all of a sudden going to lead Illinois to a Rose Bowl. But I do think that there is something about him that reminds me of some of those previous defensive backs that I gravitate to because they're naturally playmakers. Defensive linemen, you know, uh, yes, there are the sack artists that make the highlight tapes and everything like that. But really, the playmaking or the game-breaking guys on defense tend to be guys in the backfield because they get the picks, they get the uh, pick sixes and all that. And I'm sure that Witherspoon will get one this year. I got to think. Or a linebacker, like we saw with C.J. Hart. Well, in the absence of C.J. Hart, I'm really going to be focusing on what Devin does in the defensive backfield on Saturday. I don't know if he's going to have to do as much because UTSA is much more run based than Nebraska, which I think Nebraska threw, what is it, 38, 42 times, way too many times for a quarterback like Adrian Martinez. But uh, the question mark, of course, is depth, as we knew. And that goes across all three position groups. And I think for position groups, the defensive backfield is still the biggest question mark. But they probably have the best player on defense as well. And that's no offense to Jake Hansen. Talk about a steady hand. That's what you want right there in the middle of the field. But for the game-breaking defensive guy, it has to be Witherspoon. And, and it's really fun to watch him. I mean, he, he is in on so many more plays than you normally see with the defensive back. And whenever it's thrown to his side of the field, there's that little kind of, you know, like you know he's around. And there's something about those guys. They just have this knack, this nose for the ball, and, and you're just waiting for that moment. And there's going to be a few of those for him this year. Special teams, he ain't got to worry about that. Come on. I think the lads are actually at Papa Dell's tonight. Uh, as I record this, they're doing the Coach Bielema show. And that was the other thing, too. I uh, went on a run, and I ran past Papa Dell's, and I think I saw the, the radio truck there. And it got me to thinking about all the times that I would see a tweet about the Lovey Smith show at Papa Dell's and just think, oh, God, why, why are we even doing this? Lovey doesn't want to be there. <laughs> Who are we kidding? And then I'm sure a few Illini fans would go out and see Lovey, and, uh, but that would be a very dry hour. Easy to say this after a win, but while I would not probably be the person to attend a Coach Bielema radio show, I would at least consider it in a way that I didn't with previous Illini coaches. And we can do all the nitty-gritty. I probably did more nitty-gritty about you know position groups and stuff than I've done in a long time on this podcast. But seeing Bielema after the game, reading some of the uh, clippings from when he spoke with the media Monday, He's gifted at this. He is a natural at this. And you want that. As a Power 5 football program, you want that sort of magnetic personality. Again, I've said many times on the program before that the program, (laughs) the podcast, that sounds so official. I've said before that back in the day, I would look at Brett Bielma and think, how is there any polish to this guy? And that is judging a book by its cover. That's not a good thing to do. But he has an earthy, down you know, down-to-earth, folksy kind of appeal, but he's also kind of cool. You know, I mean, listen, Bruce Weber was folksy. He was down home. Bruce was not cool. (laughs) You know, Bill Self was down-to-earth and folksy. He was cool. I'm not comparing Brett Bielema to that level of charming and cool. But if we're doing the old hypothetical of what coach would you most want to have a beer with, and there's two of them over there. I'd have one with Underwood. I'd have one with Bielema. I think they're pretty normal guys that happen to be, you know, coaches at a high level that probably work 80 hours a week, if not 100, which that's a whole thing that you got to be wired differently, of course, but there's still a normalcy to them that is relatable and it matters. We saw the quarterback club meeting last week. 
it was packed and there was probably an energy there. I know some people were talking about masks not being in the banquet hall. I get it. And I, I'd be sort of maybe weirded out a little bit about that too. But you know what? He is doing what coaches at this level should be doing. You know, he's schmoozing the way that they need to. I'm not going to go so far as to say that Brett Bielma has done everything right. But I am struggling to think of something that he's done blatantly wrong. (laughs) And that's new for Illinois. Just think about that. It's a low bar, right? But you could go back in the recent history, and if I were to say, name the most ridiculous thing that a coach did, I could come up with 10 of them for the last five coaches at the drop of a hat, whether that be ridiculous games that they coached that got away from them or just sayings that they had, like the the look in their eyes. Remember when Ron Turner said that and they proceeded to lose, I think, five of their next six. He liked the look in their eyes. Well, that stuck with them. The fact that Ron Zook's introductory press conference, he said, Illinois. And then, of course, he ended uh, one of his later press conferences storming out because Shannon Ryan asked him a perfectly legitimate question. If you recall that, that made dead spin. Tim Beckman, oh my God, the laundry list of you know foibles and shenanigans with him. Good Lord. Bill Cubitt, as normal and I get in a way charming in his own right, but that's just such an odd year and it was a stopgap and we all knew it wasn't going to work long term. And then Lovey. Don't even need to revisit that. You can go check out old 200 levels if you want to for that. I have crapped on him plenty. But think about it. Like, what is the biggest mistake that Brett Bielan has made? I honestly, I don't know. I struggle to think of one. And if that makes me a homer, I mean, that, that's the positive fanboy carp coming out. But I assure you, you know, it's not like I'm looking for things wrong in Brett Bielema, But if I'm trying to take a, a sort of objective look at what he's done since he got hired, there's been a plan. He's executed that plan. Recruiting is going well. He's selling the program. And he won the first game, a big game at that. If he's not batting 1,000, he's batting pretty close. And uh, that's nice. That's, that's something fresh as an Illini football fan. Something where when I go to the lots on Saturday, I'm not going to be walking around chest puffed out because Illinois football. You know, we got a ways to go for that. I can do that with Illinois basketball because of the history. When Illinois basketball is good, and especially now that I put on my you know, Stitch Kofi jersey, yeah, I walk around chest puffed out a little bit because it's cool. Illinois basketball has cachet. It does. Illinois football is still working on it, but you know, I'm, I won't feel ridiculous wearing Illinois apparel on, on football game days. And tell me you haven't felt that way before, right? We all have. We wear the orange into the lot 31 or wherever you guys tailgate. We go to the game, and then midway through the third quarter, we just want to take the damn shirt off because it's like it's embarrassing. It's a, it's a scarlet letter. We're wearing the branding of failures. That's a strong word, but Illinois football has mostly been that for my life, at least. And now it's like, well, wait a second. Maybe we aren't the, you know, maybe we aren't the black sheep of the Big Ten West. Maybe we aren't the team that everyone looks at and just assumes is an easy win. I did see, uh, and I wish I could say someone mentioned, uh, you know, only putting the Big Ten West on notice. They put them on notice to the fact that we are not an easy win this year. And that's enough for me. That's enough for me. We aren't going to win the Big Ten West, I don't think. If they did, then that would be the most remarkable thing I've seen in Illinois revenue sports history. (laughs) But assuming that doesn't happen, I just need to be respectable. That's all I need them to be. And it looks like they have probably already reached that milestone. And now we have some games coming up where you can stack wins. 
I think they win Saturday. I think they beat UTSA, run-based team. A lot of guys coming back, but Illinois is pretty old too. Illinois should be bigger. Illinois should be able to control the line of scrimmage. And as long as they don't make mistakes, I think they should win by a couple scores. I don't think that's puffing my chest out too much. Um, I'm not trying to overlook UTSA. I don't think the guys in the locker room are. I'm kind of glad that it's a random game at Virginia next week. It's hard mentally as an Illini fan, and I would think a little bit for the guys in the locker room, to see Virginia on the schedule, ACC team or not, and be like, oh man, screw UTSA. We got the Virginia Cavaliers coming up. It's just not a name that pops. Uh, And I just can't envision, after what I saw last week, them looking past this game. It might get hairy. I don't know. It might be fourth quarter and it's a one possession game and it's a little bit tenuous like Nebraska. That's fine. Keep in mind, there have been good Illinois teams that have played close games against not so good opponents. Rose Bowl team. Um, I think there was a game against Western Illinois at home. This was maybe right after the Missouri game and before the Syracuse game. And it was ugly. They won, but it was ugly. Did not look good per se. And then back in 2001, the Sugar Bowl year, it was Northern Illinois at home. Coming back from the Cal win where you smoked them, you beat Northern Illinois 17 to 12. That was it. And uh, it was scary. Like I remember being in that stadium and then afterwards, we had some sort of family thing and uh, a lot of the conversation was, uh, how good are we? And I'm like, we're good, we're good. I was at that age where everything's good. You know, Kirk Kittner, we're fine. No big deal. And we were, but for that Saturday, there was some uncertainty. That could happen this Saturday against UTSA. And what I, what I fear is the fact that casual Illini fan that got hooked last week, if, a game, if this game goes a certain way because it's UTSA, that there will be some early dismissal. Like, ah, crap, I knew it was a, I knew these guys were phonies, you know. But all that really matters is if they get the win by one point or by 14. It doesn't really matter. And style points are not going to be a thing for Brett Bielema, Coach Illini teams. But that's steadiness. I'm excited to see it in person. I hope I'm not, you know, bad luck charm or something. And all of a sudden I get in the Memorial Stadium and you guys had such a great time last Saturday and then no, but I I don't believe in jinxes or superstitions. I'm going to enjoy just seeing a new product and just the replays alone, sifting through those and just feeling different. It just felt different from watching the replay alone. And I can only imagine from the stands how it had to just feel different. And I know people got nervous in the fourth quarter, but did you get quite as nervous or puckered up as you did in any of the last 20 years when it always felt like the bottom was going to fall out? Easy for me to say not watching the game live. But I really do feel like had I been in the stadium, I don't think my mind would have went to worst case scenario having seen what I saw for the previous three quarters. I think I would have been fairly, felt fairly secure that Illinois was going to get it done. They will on Saturday. I'm pretty certain. No guarantees. I shouldn't do that. I know the predictions are silly, but let's say a 14-point win for Illinois. Is that fair? Uh, Hey, real quick. Um, Illinois basketball. Student season tickets, 3,000 of them. I saw Robert Rosenthal tweet this out, that back in the John Gross era, you know, you were looking at an average of 1,200 student season tickets a year. 1,200. They sold out 3,000 in a matter of hours today. Now, that's the Kofi effect. Pretty sure that would not have been the case if Kofi didn't come back. But 
that speaks to where this program is at. I mean, here's the thing. We could say if Kofi didn't come back, but he did. So we don't even need to play that hypothetical. Guess what? Kofi's back. You have a top five team, I think, in the nation. May not be ranked in the top five at first, but they probably should be. And uh, the students are excited. And it has a buzz that it has not had in 15 years. So if I'm going to sit here and say Illinois is back, you know, I know that they still got to shore up this 2022 class, but it's probably going to be pretty damn good when all said and done. There is a long-term vision that we can see in place now. And yeah, Kofi's not going to be here after this year. Andre Corbello may not be here for long either. I think he's special. And I think what we all know he is, and I think it does translate to the NBA. So while that is the case, you do look to be set up for long-term success the way that you're recruiting now for 2022 and beyond. And that maybe your staff, and that maybe your staff turned out okay. I actually think this collection of assistants may work out fine. I mean, you know, Antigua and Coleman, that was a big hit, of course, but I think they've steadied the ship. I say they. Brad Underwood steadied the ship, or so it appears. And the Kofi return just means that you get one more year of being a top 10, top five caliber team. And hopefully you can parlay that into 23 and 24 and 25, because 2022 looks pretty damn good. So exciting stuff. And if I were a student on campus right now, that's the hot ticket. Understandably so. And uh, I cannot wait to get back in the State Farm Center. Yeah, I'll give my vaccination proof. I'll wear a mask. I don't care. That's fine. I'm just going to be excited to be in that environment, 15,000 other people, and it's going to be special. And I'm really glad for the players that they get experience a year as a top 10, top five team in a raucous home environment. And that's what it will be. We saw the seeds of that begin to emerge before the pandemic. I mean, that place was rocking that Iowa game. I think it's going to pick up right where it left off. And 3,000 students doesn't, doesn't hurt matters either. All right, last thing real quick, a footnote, and just kind of putting this thing to bed. Um, last week was the thing on Twitter with Kedrick where I criticized what I perceived to be uh, you know, a lack of journalistic integrity by tweeting out the ticket office number. That turned into a big thing. And unfortunately, it turned into a, a more personal thing than I anticipated, which is probably naive of me. You know, whenever you criticize someone professionally, it will naturally be taken personally. And I get it because I can remember getting text messages on the text line back in 93.5 or getting certain tweets um, and less so now, but like there's still moments where you get a response and to whatever it may be. And you're like, oh, uh, ouch, you know, that's inevitable. If that is what happened, I, I do apologize for that. And I was ready and willing to speak to Kedrick. We had exchanged some tweets on Sunday when I had recorded a podcast and just try to explain the situation on here. And it looked like that's where it was moving. And he said, give me a follow. Well, I'll give you my phone number so we can talk. Gave him a quick follow. And then I went off to the music festival. Enjoy, you know, nine, 10 hours there and then come back and I'm on my computer at the hotel and just kind of going through stuff. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, I, I need to see if he gave me his phone number. Go on Twitter, no message. And then uh, see that I was blocked. And I was like, oh, I, I don't think we're going to be talking on the phone. <laughs> Darn. Um, here's the thing. I, I will say this, despite the fact that um, I understand why professional criticisms will be taken personally. And that might be something that I need to consider. Is it even worth it to do that? Um, but there is nothing that I would tweet and nothing I'd say on this podcast. 
that I would not say to someone in person or on the phone. And I would explain my case the best I could, like I tried to on Sunday's podcast, um, and try to do so in a way that is not personal, because it isn't personal. That's the key. I just got a, a tweet a couple hours ago from someone saying, you know, you need to give it up. You're giving the Illini Inquirer guys a bad name. Well, first off, I, I don't work at Illini Inquirer. It's just kind of a partnership. And hey, I've known Jeremy for a long time. Um, and they put some of our podcast up there. But I'm not an, an employee by any means. But I also don't want to represent them badly. But I will say this. I've gotten more responses that have person, like personally went after me. I've been called an asshole, um, a D-bag. <laughs> um, man, a lot of things. I'm, I'm a lib teacher, uh, teaching all my kids liberal lib ideas. Um, n- not true, that part. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't think I went there, though. I understand why my snark, because there was snark. Oh, yeah, there was snark. Why that could uh, come off like, yeah, Carp's a little bit surly. Um, I'm not, though. I'm not. I, I really try to explain uh, where I'm coming from and add some nuance to conversations the best I can. But uh, truly, it is not personal. And I doubt Kedrick's listen to this or many of Kedrick's followers, but it ain't personal. It's not. And I'd still be happy to talk on the phone or talk in person. Uh, Kedrick said that wasn't a good idea. He said, no, I know it's not a good idea. I don't know if that was like a veiled threat or something. This ain't stuff worth fighting over, though. It's not. So this is the last I'll say about it. And the big takeaway I wanted to say was while I maybe, well, not maybe, I did not agree with some of the professionalism or what I perceive to be a lack thereof, but it is not personal. And I'm sure Kedrick is a very nice individual. I've heard nothing but that. Um, And if it ever came off like I was personally attacking someone, that is not what I ever set out to do. So if that is what was perceived or taken in, my bad on that. Um, But I will call out or criticize things when I I think they need to be called out. I'm not just going to sit and throw grenades at everything, um, but I felt like I, I felt compelled to do so when I saw that. Maybe I could use a little more tact. Maybe that's fair. Um, all right, that's enough of my yapping. Um, you can tell from my voice that it's still coming back. <laughs> Damn allergies. Oh, my God, they're bad. So I got the licorice root tea, and uh, we got a show on Friday night at Poor Brothers if you're in downtown Champaign to make a weekend of this Illinois football game. So that show is 8.30. We play two sets, 8.30 to 11.30 at Poor Brothers. If you want to come out, say hello. It is a free show, rock and roll on a beautiful September evening. Go to sleep, get some shut-eye, get right back at it the next day for a full day of tailgating. Are you guys ready for it? I am so ready for Lot 31 tailgating. All right, 200 Levels brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. 15 years since they've opened up, and still the same great taste, the same great service and delivery anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. I've known Steve for a long time, and this is high-quality stuff, and for my money, the best bang for your buck in Champaign-Urbana. So have a victory calzone on Saturday called DP... Order DP Doe. This is the easiest way to do it. Online at dpdoe.com. And they might even be able to deliver it to your tailgate. Just try it. See what happens. dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. I got my shirt ready to go for this weekend. Get yours today at fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life Auto Home Business Renters. You name it. It's State Farm. State Farm prices and great service. Brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction for all your exterior construction needs. Get a free estimate today 
at rectorconstruction.com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. I want to inquire and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate their partnership and also appreciate you, the listener. Listeners, many of you, thanks for coming back after that hiatus. We're going to stay busy this football season, a fun and exciting football season it shall be. And I look forward to talking to you guys Sunday morning after UTSA. It's a trap, or is it? I feel a little more at ease than maybe I should. But hey, I'm feeling good about Saturday, and I hope to see some of you guys out there Lot 31. Come say hi if you see me. I'll be around. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other, everybody. It is the 200 level.